0: Ignition sequence starts. Three, two, one. Lift off. We have a
1: lift off. Welcome back to University, everybody, the podcast where we explore the hard hitting questions about Earth existence and the unknown. I'm AJ Perrin. With me, as always, is the fantastic
0: Judson Martin. Judson Martin.
1: Yeah. That's um. Me. Yeah. Today we are re-recording an episode for the first time ever, which maybe that's a, an impressive thing if we've made like 18 or so episodes without ever having to do a do-over.
0: Yeah, we've done decent so far.
1: We. Yeah. It's. I mean. Oh, that was a bad feeling though. Getting I through that really whole just episode and then being like, oops. I thought we've scratched one before, or didn't we just... No, I think the one you're thinking of is we once didn't get the video for just one of uh, our cameras. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. And we were like, should we re-record and It's like, nah, it's probably not that big of a deal. But that was the best episode, or m- your favorite episode. And that was, I think, Dark Matter and Dark Energy. Can't remember. Uh, but so we're re-recording today um, because we really wanted to talk to you guys about warp drives. And al- among some other recent space news and whatnot, but the topic of the day is warp drive. And if you have time, we'll get into the top 10 worst Zodiac signs to get into a dance battle with over dance dance revolution.
0: <sighs> yeah, it's going to be a hot topic. Hot
1: topic. Okay. Uh, let's jump right in with space news and stuff first. let Let's Before we do news, let's do our scan for intelligent life segment. And I'm going to tell you a brain teaser to get our brains rolling. How about that? Okay. Okay. Um, but the unfortunate thing is we did, like, five of them last time. Right?
0: Yeah, we did a couple. Well, we did the IQ test first.
1: We finished the three-question IQ test.
0: I um, passed with flying colors.
1: Yep. You actually, it's going to haunt me that I only got two out of three of that for the rest of my life because you can't read. There's only one of those tests in the world, and there's always the same questions, and so I can't, like, redo it because now I know the right answers. And actually, even if... <sighs> even as i told you the second one i think the
0: point of I the test r-
1: couldn't even remember the right answer is
0: to only take it once
1: though yeah and so like for my whole the rest of my life i'll know i was unworthy of that three question test i got one of them wrong uh, what i have found for you judd is 27 of the hardest riddles ever can you solve them how about we the pull from hardest
0: that? oh gosh it's gonna be bad okay i'm not very good at these
1: this is the hardest riddles ever from Reader's Digest, okay? You ready? Yeah. Give me a number one through twenty seven. Five. This isn't okay. my like forte. You see a boat filled with people, it has not sunk, but when you look again, you don't see a single person on the boat. Why?
0: See a boat full of people and it hasn't sunk. And, and they jump.
1: haven't jumped overboard.
0: And they haven't they haven't jumped overboard. And they
1: haven't gone below deck.
0: And you look again and they're all gone.
1: Do you want me to read it again? Yeah. You see a boat filled with people. It has not sunk, but when you look again, there's not a single person on the boat. Why?
0: They didn't jump overboard?
1: Yep. I don't know. I'm going to say it again, but I'm going to emphasize the word you need to pay attention to.
0: It has not sunk.
1: When you look again, you don't see a single person on the boat.
0: You see all of them. You see more than one person. They're all still there. Is that it?
1: (laughs) No. The answer (laughs) is that they're all married. So it's like you don't see a single person on the boat. That's why... This is dumb. (laughs) I don't like it. So neither of us are intelligent, and now we're going to start an episode trying to educate people on science topics. That's Mm. great. Okay. Let's get right into space news for the day. Um, This isn't recent, but within the last couple of weeks, the Euclid telescope uh, from NASA has gone online. Or I think Euclid is actually from ESA. Yeah, it's not
0: from... It's, yeah, yeah. European Space Agency. European
1: Space Agency. Um, it has a wider aperture than the James Webb Space Telescope and Hubble, um, and it is its mission is focusing on taking pictures and th- analyzing them for redshift, if I believe. So we're trying to measure the age and stuff of galaxies based on off of redshift. And if you don't know what that is, they can talk. They can listen to what episode was that? That would be dark matter and dark energy. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Or even we talked about it with Neil as well in part two.
0: Yeah. Um. But I think, yeah, so this telescope, it sees visible light as well as infrared. Yep. And I think the big thing is they're trying to create a map, a better 3D map of the universe than what we currently have. So they want to, like, plot where everything is. Yeah. And a where 3D it's map.
1: That's cool. And I, I guess I didn't realize that that was, not that I didn't think we could do something like that, but I didn't know that was something that we needed.
0: Well, I think, yeah, we we just want to see where everything's going. and.
1: Yeah. Next piece of news, not space related but energy related, so I think it's worth talking about. The new largest wind turbine ever uh, was just powered up in China. Each blade is one and a half football fields in length. So that's pretty good. 150 big. meters. So across um, from, well, there's probably there's probably only three, but I was going to say it would be three football fields long, but it's probably not four. uh Yeah. yeah like arms it'd be three okay so yeah that's one and a half football fields which is huge and it powers 30,000 homes uh so that's pretty impressive and i guess two things come to mind is one like is that going to be hitting birds 30,000 homes you said yeah Hmm, that's interesting i'm guessing it's like an urban setting so it's not like 30 large residential houses maybe you know
0: i feel like i don't know what i just feel like that's a small amount
1: of homes Really? I thought you were going to say it's big. Well, if it's really big, too, it can reach high up in the air. And if you're reaching higher in the air, then you're going to get stronger currents.
0: Uh, the blades are about 50 meters in length.
1: So this is three times that size for each arm. Or three is that times. saying from top to, like, from the ground to... The, oh, blades. Blades are yeah, about blades 50 meters. 50, yeah. So that would mean that it's three times that length. So there's that news. And then lastly... Uh, is there's a new cancer-killing pill called AOH-1996, which is being studied by not only the City of Hope Medical Center, but, um, but also in collaboration with the National Cancer Cancer Institute, um, which is currently undergoing clinical trials, which are scheduled to be done next March. AOH-1996 is named after Anna Olivia Healy, uh, who was a young woman who unfortunately passed away um, due to cancer. She was born in 1996, hence the name. Um, But so a little bit about how this works. It targets, oh, I think nearly like 70 different types of cancer, different cancer types, including breast, prostate, brain, ovarian, cervical skin, and lung cancers. Um, And it sounds like it targets this. It's a pill which targets what's known as proliferating cell nuclear antigen, uh, which plays an essential role in the replication and repair of cells. Um, So what happens is that... This pill helps target PCNA, proliferating cell nuclear antigen, and inhibits that growth and spread of a broad range of cancer cells. Um, So it's targeting the cancer cells and basically inhibiting them from spreading, which is exactly how cancer works, but in the opposite, because cancer is the unchecked uh, spread of diseased cells. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was saying it's, you know, it's just cool to see, like, How can we target just the cells that are sick and not the...
1: Yeah, that was something that was interesting to me, too, is like, how does it know that it's a cancer cell and not a healthy cell? But it says in the notes that it's not toxic to healthy cells at all, and it's just inhibiting DNA repair within the cancer cells. And when those cells have inhibited DNA repair, that's enough stress on the cell to um, induce apoptosis. And apoptosis is just programmed cell death. It happens to healthy cells... Um, as, lo- as well as diseased cells, it's just something that our body does to get rid of um, cells that are no longer good for us. And so when they're put under stressful conditions, such as UV light, um, we can get apoptosis, we can induce apoptosis, which is the whole idea behind radiation therapy uh, for cancer. The, this is the culmination of 20 years of development led by a doctor named Linda. um, who's a professor in City of Hope's Department of Molecular Diagnostics and Experimental Therapeutics. Um, So we will check back in in March once their clinical trials are scheduled to be done um, and see what their results are. But if you want to read more about it, they have a page on it on the National Cancer Institute's website. Cool. Anyway, moving on. One more thing before we get into warp drives. Uh, We talked about this. I'm going to try not to say that because we've talked about all of this before uh, when we literally recorded the episode two days ago um but ocean gate the same people responsible for the titan submersible which imploded in june um is hoping to send 1000 people to colonize the upper atmosphere of venus and this title of an article was just like i you you can't ignore something like this um so not only does the first thing that jumps out to me is like why would you start by sending a thousand people? I yeah. can see that maybe transporting, like having to take multiple trips there and back to get a lot of people there, would be difficult. So just like send one thousand at once, but still, it just doesn't make sense. I don't, I don't think NASA is planning to send a thousand people to something like Mars, which is a mi- mission that seems a lot more feasible uh, in our di- or in our near future.
0: Yeah, I think it's like, so this. The person who's trying to do it is one of the co-founders of OceanGate, and then he also funds this other company. I think he's calling it Humans um, to Venus. Yeah, Humans yeah. to Venus or something like that. Um so he's just doing some interesting like tourism stuff, um funding these kind of ventures. Um I don't see how he thinks a thousand people is a good idea either. I don't think I feel like a small little trial would make more sense. I also feel like there's no way to get these people back, almost.
1: Yeah, and like, of all places, yeah, exactly. Like, how do you launch a rocket um, to exit the atmosphere of, like, I don't know, where does there's that? There's
0: no out? like m- vehicle that we can
1: go pick them up g- on.
0: It. Not ne- Well, not necessarily that, but like, we can't fit a thousand people in a module that returns to. The earth. Yeah. Like, so that it's just going to have to be, like, we're going to take a bunch of trips, and by that time, the price to go on that trip is going to be so expensive, there's not going to be a thousand people that will afford it.
1: But I'm not surprised that there's loopholes in this whole system anyway, because the Ocean Gate and this guy have never had experience in this industry before, so I understand, like, the, the dream big thing. But there's like no realism in this entire plan. The funny thing is Venus is like the worst place. I, I I almost think it'd be better to pick somewhere further away than Venus just to not go to Venus. Just like the closest thing you could imagine to hell. Volcanoes everywhere. The surface temperature is going to be unbearable, not only because it's closer to the sun, but also because Venus has an incredible amount of CO2 In the atmosphere barely any oxygen um and because there's so much co2 that's going to cause a greenhouse gas effect that's amplified um over the one we see on earth so it's just trapping that heat constantly on that planet plus another thing that i wasn't even thinking about earth has a magnetic field that protects us from solar storms that is not the same on venus or any other planet in our solar system. So Venus is constantly getting bombarded uh, by solar rays, equally so because they also don't have an ozone layer to the extent that we have one, like literally like one one-hundredth of what we have on Earth.
0: Yeah. S- I think – and uh, just the combination of all those things plus what that, the CO2 and all that creates acid rain, yep. constant sulfuric acid rain. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know how uh, – they're gonna survive that. Obviously, I think it's pretty clear that this isn't gonna happen. But it's just interesting that yeah he wants to do it. I I think it's cool that he wants to do it because he says a lot of what he's saying here is he just doesn't want to like in the title of this article it says he he shouldn't we shouldn't stop pushing the limitations of in- innovation. So I think it's cool. I really like the idea of somebody willing to fund scientific exploration and and things like that. But. I just don't think that's the right way to do it. I think you should fund something different than space tourism.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Or put, just put your money into anything else more useful right now yeah. um, for society. But also, he was really interested in Venus because he was saying if we went 50 kilometers up in the atmosphere from Venus, we could have a gravity that's similar to Earth because he's scared that if we go to other planets, the gra- the change in the gravity is going to have... a f- Um, lasting effects that we don't know about on our health i'll first say that we've already had astronauts in the iss for months at a time that are okay the the big part or the big challenge is when they go to a place um, where the gravity changes such as coming back to earth then they have to like readjust right i believe
0: i think they're okay when they're all i know is that like they can't be up there for very for long term. Like you couldn't yeah. live your entire life up there. Yeah. Um you're, you'd start to lose function, I think, in your like your bones would start to I think decay.
1: Yeah. There's this idea called Wolf's law. And your muscle atrophy as well. Yeah. There's this idea um called Wolf's Law um in your musculoskeletal system, which says that when we use our muscles or when we use our body and put stresses on our body, it Um, creates a demand in our bone for nutrients so our bones absorb those nutrients so that they can be used and the bones grow tougher and stronger however when our muscles aren't uh, used to that stress such as if you broke a bone and then it's healed and you haven't used your arm in a long time your arm is going to be weaker that bone is going to be weaker because you your body re-releases those nutrients um, back to be absorbed elsewhere into your body so when astronauts come back from the ISS they have to undergo like slow progressive exercise training to get their skeletal system back up to what they it would need to be on earth yeah but basically my reason for bringing that up is like I would not go to Venus just because the gravity is similar because there are so many other effects such as the sulfuric acid rain solar storms UV radiation um, unbreathable air unbearable temperatures all those factors, and we'd have to m- create a floating s- station in the atmosphere because we can't touch down on the surface. Like none of those factors should be outweighed by gravity.
0: I'm kind of curious. So if I go to like all the proper channels, I say I've done all the calculations and I've got this spaceship. I'm ready to launch it. What like where? Do, where do I get stopped? Like kind of what's stopping me from launching my spacecraft that I built? with myself and just going up there like if I say okay I'm, I have this clear airspace I know I'm not going to run into th- anything on my way up there who I wonder what like administration is al- or if any is allowed to stop me from going to space
1: probably the FAA right federal aeronautics I don't know but if you tell them or,
0: you're like I'm not going to run anything oh, I, yeah. I have clear airspace and that stuff I mean I'm sure probably I think that's who I would also guess is who yeah would be able to tell you that but like I don't know, I just wonder who it is.
1: This i will tell you, just go build a spacecraft and then if, if I don't I don't think FAA or NASA or whoever is worried about you creating a rocket ship in your backyard and like going to space. But if well, you did, I think they'd be so impressed that they'd just like salute you on your way out. You know, they'd be like, good job, kid. I See you later. I don't
0: think, no, I don't think so. I mean. You still
1: think you'd go to jail after you built a whole rocket ship in your backyard? Yes. There have been NASA rocket ships that can't even make it out of the uh, atmosphere. Right, but like they'd come. What if you just parked yourself up in I'm like learning. a space station? You built a spaceship into space. What are they going to do? Come out and get you? But like that is arrest like, you in space? Space cops?
0: I'm not saying after I get my bachelor's degree I can make an entire spaceship, but that is literally what I'm learning to do. Like, yeah, by the end I should be able to make components of a spaceship. So
1: yeah, I, I guess so.
0: Like. It shouldn't be extremely surprising that I can do it.
1: Somebody, NASA, keep an eye on this kid. Like, he's, he's plotting stuff. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Let's yeah, take can, a break. Yeah, let's take a break. Let's take a break and we'll jump back in with warp drives after that. Let's jump right back into it, Judd, after the break here. Basically, a warp drive is one of the ways you that we think we can tr- use to travel faster than light, right? Yeah. Okay. And why is that such a difficult task to do?
0: Well, I think to understand the problem, you have to understand, like, how fast the speed of light really is. So to start with that, the speed of light is literally, like, a billion feet per second. So it's just under that, like, 980 million-something million. Um that's really freaking fast.
1: Yeah. That's like... It's getting up there.
0: In one second, you'd be going 180,000 miles. Yeah. So...
1: Almost Kipchoge's marathon pace. Who, <coughs> anyway. Who is that guy? Really? No. Kipchoge? I think... he just uh, have the record or something? He's... Well, I don't think he has the record. He's been beaten. I know that. I've watched him get beat before, so I don't know if he has the record, but he's like a sub-two-hour marathon runner.
0: We well, you get beat once but still have the record
1: yeah that's what i that's what i was saying i've seen i've seen him get beat but i don't know if he has the record
0: okay anyways
1: anyway back to light speed.
0: if you were to go so light's traveling fast um for light to get to the moon back to earth um it takes about one second not back just from the moon to earth it takes one second and then from the sun it takes about eight minutes and from the nearest other star, it takes about four point three years.
1: And that's not even like the nearest galaxy. That's just a star within our own galaxy. Right, our nearest neighbor. And there's millions of stars, or if not billions, in the Milky Way.
0: Yeah, I guess I don't know the exact numbers on that. I'm sure it's. I haven't counted yet. Probably billions. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, it just doesn't. It doesn't. Makes sense for us to be able to travel that fast.
1: Yeah, and that that is like the sp- this is the way I've heard Neil describe it. It's like, or maybe this was Einstein. No, it was Neil. Is he talks about as the speed limit of the universe, which is true because a photon, a, a particle of light, does not have mass. Therefore, it doesn't experience any effects of diminishing acceleration. It just it just goes,
0: period. Yeah, for us. For If we were to be able to travel faster than the speed of light, we would break some current laws of physics.
1: Because, I mean, we have mass. So
0: Speaking of the fact that we have mass and we have to go that fast or if we want to travel to anywhere in the near future, um, in order to accelerate a 110-pound mass, for example, like a teenager, it would require 200 trillion joules of energy.
1: I don't even know what that – like how many – pots of coffee to boil is that i don't know what that even means
0: i can't remember the i think it's eight million or two million homes in the united states use that in one day yeah so it's just like it's a little bit yeah yeah not that much but just a little
1: anyway and that's just for one teenager if we're talking about a spaceship or uh anything of reasonable size that we would be traveling in um that's going to take a ridiculous amount of energy it won't be
0: any, they won't be anything once they go that fast
1: but there are ways that people theorize about traveling faster than the speed of light or right. not faster as fast as the speed of light
0: right as fast or faster, or faster. Sure. yeah the uh there's been a couple i think namely you see these in movies and tv shows such as star trek and star wars um where the stars kind of turn into lines as they zip past you, yeah, it's pretty cool. Speaking or of stars, I them.
1: just have to ask you quick, what color lightsaber are you?
0: What color lightsaber? I feel like I would be, I feel like everybody wants to say, well, I don't know what everybody wants to say. I want to say Mace Windu's purple but because that, that's just cool, but I feel like realistically I would be blue.
1: I think the Star Wars lore behind the Mace Windu lightsaber is that he just asked for it, right? Like Samuel L. Jackson was know. just like, can I have a purple lightsaber? And George Lucas was like, you're Samuel L. Jackson. Like, yeah, you can have a purple lightsaber.
0: I don't really know, but I just wish more people. I just wish. I think it's cool that there was only one person that had one, but like, I wish somebody else would have too because it was just sweet.
1: Yeah, I'm a I'm an orange personally. Yeah, or like comment if, down below what lightsaber
0: color you are. Because I think the only other color that appears like exotic color outside of like the tv shows and movies but it's in the comics or whatever is um yellow from the the two twins or whatever i forget their what their name star killers or something like
1: that oh well star killer is a uh, is in the star wars canon somewhere or something like that i shouldn't be saying stuff like this because people will come for us like people will come for us i
0: don't well i don't know the exact stuff but all i know is there is people with yellow but it'd be cool maybe if there's like an orange or something one time
1: I yeah. There is an orange. Cal Kestis. You got to stop talking, dude, before they really come for you. Like they we you you're going to have fans in your in no. your DMs.
0: When did this appear
1: though? Not in the movies, it's in the video games. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order.
0: Okay, hold on. I'm looking it up. I don't believe you. I'm not seeing
1: anything. Look up the orange lightsaber meaning. There's like a meaning behind it.
0: Okay, there's a meaning for apparently every color. Orange. A Force user who has a deep connection to the Force through though will never partake in Combat unless truly necessary. Nah. Nobody has one. It doesn't... I don't see anything about Cal Kestis, man.
1: All right. Maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe my life's in danger. Yeah, it is. All right. Let's keep going, though. I didn't mean to get us off track here.
0: Yeah. I mean, I could talk about lifesavers in Star Wars for a long time.
1: I could talk about lifesavers.
0: The candies? Or, like, the or, people who save or lives. Or the
1: people. Medics. Anybody. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Yeah, I not Just um, talk EM about EM drives.
0: So one of the ways that we've theorized to travel faster than the speed of light is through a an engine that we call an EM drive. So the idea behind this is it's a it's looks sort of like a nozzle but it's an enclosed surf space with these surfaces that are able to bounce microwaves off of them. And so the idea is we throw some microwaves in there, close it up, and they these microwaves are bouncing off the walls of this this space and creating small amounts of thrust. So Newton's second law, as we know it, usually if you learn it in class, it would be F equals ma, so force equals mass times acceleration. Um, When Newton originally wrote it himself, he wrote it as force is equal to the change in momentum over the change in time. So, and we just um, derived the other F equals ma. But so the idea is that these microwaves carry some sort of momentum and then bouncing off the walls creates a force because there's an instantaneous change in momentum when they bounce off the walls. But if you think about it, if it bounces off one wall on one side and then it bounces off the other, those two forces would cancel, cancel out. out.
1: That's what I was kind of thinking too.
0: But even if, for example, they didn't, that's such a small amount of change of momentum that it would take so long
1: to, to build up at significant speed. Right. Yeah.
0: And I also wonder, like, how you stop it. Like, how do you slow the thing down?
1: Open the door and let the microwaves out, right? Oh, yeah, but
0: it's still... You oh, can't, it's still going that still fast. Going. How do you There's decelerate. nothing to decelerate you in space, you know?
1: That makes me think of the solar sail that we've talked about before where you have the photons from nearby stars bouncing off of reflective surfaces and photons don't carry mass, but they will transfer their energy... And mom- therefore, momentum, like the microwaves, into uh, the surface and push the ship forward. And over a long, long period of time, it will accelerate it. But
0: the other thing is, the EM drive would break the laws of physics because it. Um, That's casual. Puts, oh, this, by the way, it puts more energy. There's more energy coming out of the closed system that is the, the, the container that the microwaves are bouncing on. We're getting more energy out of it than we would put in. So
1: Yeah. And everything's got to be equal, like an accountant's book. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um but there is something cooler, faster, better, stronger. Work yeah. it harder, make it better, do it faster, makes us stronger. No. Isn't that Daft Punk? Something like that? That's not even close. Okay. I tried. Anyway, there's something better. What's that?
0: Uh we call it so this is the warp drive. The warp drive is essentially how the enterprise works. If you've seen Star Trek, the ship enterprise. Um it's A way for us to bend space time in order to travel um, long distances very fast. So the theoretical design kind of works by expanding the space behind us and um, shrinking the space or compressing the space time in front of us.
1: Right. So you're saying if I'm on a spaceship and I activate my warp drive, the space in front of us is going to be expand or compressed, and the stuff behind us is going to be expanded. Yes. And why do we do this?
0: Um, well, we compress the space-time in front of us in order to pull us, we essentially pull ourselves towards that. And, and then, I think first we have to establish the fact that when we're doing this, compressing the space-time in front of us and expanding it behind us, we're putting ourselves in what's considered a warp bubble. So, This is an area in space where time is moving the same relative to someone who is not influenced by the compressing of space-time in front.
1: Yeah, so what you're saying is because the gravity, because gravity, based on Einstein's theory of relativity, gravity affects how you experience time. Stronger gravity is going to make you experience time faster relative to an outside observer let's say i'm out i'm just out in space floating watching somebody on earth so they're experiencing greater gravity than me i am going to watch them experience time faster their time is yes. going to go by faster yes. and the reason this is important is because so because gravity experience affects the way we experience time when we compress the space in front of us and equally expand it behind us we are not Affected by any time dilation that happens. So when we sit inside our warp bubble, we are comfortable, and our time is going to pass in the same way that it would from the destination we were leaving, such as Earth, yes. relatively. There's always a small change because Earth has gravity, not as small or not as large as some of the biggest objects in the universe, but it would be uh, minuscule.
0: Right. So the the other thing to take into account is. When you're in this warp bubble... So one of the other problems with like not making a warp bubble is when you're traveling the speed of light, or to accelerate yourself to that speed of light, um, you're using those 200 trillion joules, assuming you weigh 110 pounds, which I don't think our, many of our astronauts do. Or I don't think any of them do. But that's a lot of energy to be put in your body. So for example, think of the mosquito that you hit with your windshield. The mosquito just gets squished. So if you were to instantaneously jump yourself to... Um, the speed of light, you would be smushed into your astronaut chair and yeah, you would just get compressed into it due to inertia. So
1: Right, so in our warp bubble you're saying we're safe.
0: In the warp bubble yeah, you're not experiencing this due to the fact that you're canceling out the two um,
1: The compression and expansion.
0: The idea of the warp bubble is that you're riding this sort of wave. So if you think of the basketball and the bedsheet analogy for gravity
1: right explain that for people who don't know what that is that's
0: what i was yeah yeah that's okay. what i was getting to yeah. Oh, okay yeah sure um if you place a basketball in a bed sheet, obviously the bed sheet bends and the basketball sinks towards the middle and creates um i guess almost like a tornado i don't know never mind forget that part <laughs> If you put a basketball in a bed sheet, it bends the bed sheet and the basketball is in the center, kind of lower down. And then if you were to place anything else in that bed sheet, it would, something smaller than the basketball, it would roll towards the basketball.
1: Right. That's, so, um, that's an analogy for gravity.
0: Sure. So then when we take this warp drive, for example, the idea is that we're creating – we're placing this basketball in front of us and we're riding the, the space-time wave um, – that we create by putting this f- this uh, compressed space time in front of us.
1: Um, now, the nice thing about the basketball, too, compressing space time is that it's actually going to shrink the distance locally in front of you so that you literally have a shorter physical distance to travel. Yeah. Now, if you want to compress space time with gravity, there is something that occurs naturally that allows us to do this. Judd, what is that?
0: Uh, just gravity
1: gravity, what creates gravity mass. mass, okay, so the unfortunate thing is is that let's take Earth, for example, Earth does not compress gravities or compress space time significantly, neither does the sun. the sun does not um significantly. I think those things are all relative yeah, but yeah, but the, it, it's not like shrinking the physical distance between Earth and the sun significantly, not on a way in a way that we can see it, sure, okay. So we would need a significantly large object or significantly large amount of mass in order to compress space-time. However, not only would we are we not able to capture that mass or hold that mass or do anything with that mass, um, that means that we would have to look outside of our physics toolbox uh, currently to find other ways to compress space-time besides just regular matter, and that brings us to exotic matter. Right.
0: So exotic matter is a special kind of matter that has um, characteristics or properties that break the laws of physics. Um, I think it's important to note we've never observed exotic matter. It's only theoretical and let alone been able to create it, obviously, if we haven't observed it. So the exotic matter um, method of creating a warp drive was proposed by this guy named Miguel, and I don't know how to say his last name. Alcubierre? Sure.
1: Yeah if you're listening to this, you might have a question on whether or not this kind of technology is in development right now or other people are looking at this. Um, I can tell you pretty confidently that nobody's looking at creating any types of interstellar travel. So sorry, Star Trek fans or Star Wars fans or um, any other science fiction fans for that uh, to that extent. But one day, one day. One day, but nobody's looking at interstellar travel right now and nobody is um, really interested in what returns this might give us. But what I can tell you is that Um, There is a lab at the Applied Physics Laboratory in New York. Uh, There is a team experimenting with the idea of a warp drive technology or of warp drive technology. Um, And this all starts with, so if we want to compress space-time to be able to travel a shorter distance or compress the distance in front of us so we have a shorter distance to travel, we are going to need something that functions like a black hole. A black hole has a significant amount of mass reduced to an infinitely small point, right? We've gone over this before. Now, a black hole is an example of something that could provide this compression for us. However, um, they have created a black hole, but I would maybe not call it a black hole. What I would call it is something that mirrors the properties of a black hole. So what they've done is that they use glycerin, uh, which is a compound derived from vegetable oils or animal fats. And with sound waves, they are able to replicate um, the physical properties of a black hole, meaning if they shoot like a laser at it or light at it or something, they can get that light to bend around these sound waves, which is exactly what happens with a black hole. Now, there's no space being compressed or no like space time fabric being compressed at this point in this pool of glycerin um but that is i i am sorry to say it this is that is the extent to which i can describe to you uh, warp drive technology that's being developed right now is this uh mirrored black hole
0: yeah that's crazy i don't i never i've never heard about the the glycerin thing
1: i mean i don't i don't think it's making any waves no pun intended um in the physics field right now but You can definitely read that up. Uh, It's a Popular Mechanics article called Black Hole Could Help Us Build Warp Drive. Um, Now, Judd, let's discuss quick here uh, more about whether or not warp drives are being, either being manufactured or if people are trying to develop it or anything like that. And I can tell you that Les Johnson, uh, who is a propulsion technologist at the NASA Marshall Space Flight Center, um, is pretty skeptical about it happening anytime soon uh, because he says that the players, the... um, big players in the industry are unlikely to turn towards interstellar propulsion technology until we've mastered how to get around in our own local space, which makes sense. If we can't yet get to Mars in an efficient amount of time or using an efficient amount of fuel to go capture those resources, um, I don't see how setting our sights on interstellar technology could help us in the short term or even the long term, really. The local long term is in hundreds of years.
0: And I think it's important to note this is just like anything else where there's no one working on the, the, the actual engineering of it right now, but people are still working on the theoretical aspects of it. You know, this is like any other um, technology, I guess, or innovations. But always, They always begin as theories and slowly over time. And those theories are usually drawn up hundreds, tens of hundreds of years ago. Before hundreds or okay, I meant to say hundreds or tens of years ago before they're you know put into to use and in, in actual engineering, you know, for example, just the idea of uh newton's laws or the einstein's work being being used today and yeah in our engineering
1: yeah it's Einstein's been talking about black holes and wormholes for over a hundred he hasn't he hasn't been he's been dead for a while, but he talked about them or theorized them, black holes and wormholes over 100 years ago, but it's not like we are just now creating wormholes or anything like that. So it's possible to speculate this stuff without being technologically capable of bringing it to fruition yet. I don't know what was going through my mind when I was saying this, but I wrote this in my notes, and I just reread it this morning, um, and I've been reflecting on it a little, little bit. I wrote that I thought, or at least when I wrote this, I thought that maybe these distances between stars and galaxies and stuff like that, maybe they exist for a reason. And what I mean by that is like, Neil Neil told us that the universe, we use math to model the universe because it's a logical system, right? Sure. So we can assume that if the universe behaves logically and it will continue to behave logically even outside of our observable universe, perhaps there is a logical reason that these distances were meant to exist. We're not supposed to be close to our nearest uh galactic or interstellar neighbors or anything like that. Maybe it's because it wouldn't give life enough space to develop, you know. I don't know. Maybe there's some it sounds maybe a little far fetched, but maybe there's some outside force that wanted these distances to exist. Right. I for mean, the safety of the universe.
0: Regardless of your opinions on, you know, the creation of life or anything like that, whether or not any of those theories are true or anything like that, the this is obviously the way it is. There's no you can't dispute the fact that the the nearest galaxy or the nearest star is four point three light years away. I mean it it is that far. So
1: I don't know. Just the things people bicker about when it goes back to that cosmic perspective. Yeah it's like i'm telling I'm saying something that everybody's heard before, so I don't mean to be like the mayors of Yappersville or whatever, but
0: I think it just goes back to um i guess i don't know if you want to call it an infographic or whatever, but it's like um do you have a problem, yes or no, and if it's if the answer's no then uh, what is it? Don't worry don't about worry it. Don't worry about it. And, and if you do if have the a problem, is yes, can you do anything about it? Yes or no, and they both lead to don't worry about it. Because if you can do something about your problem, then go do it and create it, make it not a problem. And if you can't do anything about it, then don't worry about it.
1: That's some good advice from Jim I think right it's there. just
0: like, but that's the same sort of thing with this, these technologies or anything, or or the idea of traveling to a faraway planet that's four point three, f- a nearby star, interstellar travel, interstellar travel. Yeah. The idea that this is 4.3 uh, light years away isn't gonna change, but can we find a way to shrink that distance? Yes, then let's try, or if you believe no, then, then, then don't worry, worry about, about it. other people trying, I guess. It don't worry
1: matter. about it, sweet That's all I had. Actually, if you are interested, I have one more thing here. NASA said that they, this is from NASA's website, they say they are not pursuing interstellar travel at all. So I'm sorry to let everybody down, but we've got problems to worry about, not only on our own planet, but maybe you could stretch that and say on our nearby planets as well. But we have got we have got domestic business uh, to take care of at the moment, so we're not really interested in going anywhere else right now. Um, they are working on ion propulsion technology, which I'm not quite familiar with how that works. Uh, but Judd, can you just tell us what ion propulsion technology is?
0: Yeah, the idea is just to create pulsion using... Uh it's not no fuel, but just much, much less fuel. Um, it's not, this isn't a propulsion that we would use here on Earth. This isn't a propulsion that's like strong enough to escape gravity by any means. It's just a, a small, it's using that same um, Newton's second law. The idea is it's these small collisions that ha- occur in this engine. We're releasing um, ions, which is why it's called ion propulsion. We're throwing ions out the back of this engine, which create thrust, which is, you know, the force that
1: is yeah. pushing us.
0: It mu- uses much less fuel, and but it doesn't produce nearly as much
1: dust. That's cool, that's very good. Um, so, yeah. Judd, I wanted to read to you quick um, something that I saw the other day. Let me see if I can find it on my phone. So like, we are one of a couple, I found it already. We are one of a lot of people on Instagram that talk about like science and space and stuff like that, right? Yeah. But it is so infuriating to see a sometimes a post from one of these people that also do this stuff that just like it's just clickbait it's just clickbait right sure and so this is your reward uh for getting through the episode i have a caption for you this is like a legit somebody posted this on instagram and i want you to just stop me if it ever says something significant if it ever says something that like means anything okay 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 and it's not just clickbait I, i i kid you not the picture is just like like look at the picture it's just an image of the sky with a red circle in it, right? This is-
0: That's a a, typical YouTube clickbait.
1: Right, listen to this. Discover China's groundbreaking revelation as they unveil an advanced technological launch that promises to reshape the landscape of innovation. Explore the implications of this game-changing, developing innovation and its potential to revolutionize various aspects of modern modern day life. Stay informed on the latest global advancements that have the potential to redefine the way we perceive technological innovation and progress.
0: (laughs) It seems like that person would be really good at being like passive aggressive. They you know, like they're not able to, they're not going to give you any hints on like-
1: What they actually mean.
0: Yeah, but they're just able to kind of, you know, tease at you a little bit.
1: Or this was written (laughs) by an AI. This, Maybe, could be. I don't know, but so you can pick and choose. You can come listen to us talk about real stuff or you can- I don't know. Delve your way into uh, useless captions.
0: Yeah. So you should follow University
1: on Instagram. He said it. But okay. Um, that's it for today's episode, right, Judd? Yeah. Next time we're going to be back talking about something that we aren't sure about yet. We'll find out. We'll find out. It'll
0: always be cool, though. And it won't be ambiguous like the caption. We'll di- We'll dive deep.
1: We'll dive deep into the changing development and its potential to revolutionize various aspects of modern life. Yep. Maybe I'll make this our next, like, promotional that we put out. The potential to redefine the way we perceive technology and progress. Yeah. University. I think you should. I'll delete the account. if I, You can delete the account if I post something like that. <laughs> anyway, signing off for now. Uh, stick with us. In two weeks, we'll be back. Cool. Cool. See you guys later. Are you going to say peace, Judd? Like, no. usually you usually say peace. No. I don't think we can end the episode until you do. You if can't Nick get up and, and go. One, five, you have to say peace. Three, okay, I got to do my Judd impression. Two, peace.
0: One.